Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. You've been listening to the governor's press conference on the COVID 19 pandemic, and uh, we'll continue to cover that throughout the day today. A lot of announcements uh, happening there in terms of expanding, uh, beginning on March 1st, very important, uh, expanding the eligibility, and uh, all of that will continue to be covered uh, wall-to-wall here on KSL News Radio throughout the day. Uh, you're joining just uh, midstream here in terms of uh, inside sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you today, and again, some very good news uh, in terms of the pandemic, uh, vaccinations, uh, of course, uh, increasing the number of doses that are coming into the state and how those are going to be distributed effectively. Uh, but again, the uh, caution to make sure that we continue to be vigilant in terms of uh, all the things we know to do in terms of masks and hand washing and physical distancing, uh, that we can continue to bring these numbers down. But this is a uh, a good news day uh, and a good directional day. And with the pandemic, it's always about the direction and so these are all positive indicators. And as I mentioned, stay tuned to KSL News Radio for uh, more continuing in-depth coverage uh, throughout the day today. Well, I wanted to hit a couple of things today as we uh, get towards the end of our week here. Uh, coming up at, on Saturday uh, is an interesting day. It's uh, Ronald Reagan's birthday. Uh, he would be 110 uh, this time around. And, of course, he was sort of the ageless one, and uh, he often joked about uh, what his age really was. Oh, I think we lost our sound. Oh, there we go. Age is a state of mind. It's an attitude. The distinguished philosopher, Dr. Satchel Paige, who also played a little baseball, once summed this up with a question. He said, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you was? <laughs> well, now you think about that. I've already made my decision. I've been 39 for the last 34 years. Uh, so when he said that, uh, of course, uh, if it were today, it would be the 71st first year of being 39 years old for the former president. And, you know, in, in looking back through some of the lessons that he taught, you know, there's so much that's going on in terms of the country. Uh, and a lot of people have been talking in terms of riots and revolution. Uh, and I remain more convinced than ever uh, that what we don't need, we don't need a revolution. Uh, we need a rediscovery. And so in honor of President Reagan uh, and his 110th birthday coming up here on Saturday, uh, first I want to play just a little bit of what he felt in terms of what they called the Reagan Revolution. Uh, and he kind of put that aside just a little bit. Uh, he, too, was focused on this idea of rediscovery. And in all of that time, I want a nickname, the great communicator, 
But I never thought it was my style or the words I used that made a difference. It was the content. I wasn't a great communicator, but I communicated great things. And they didn't spring full bloom from my brow. They came from the heart of a great nation, from our experience, our wisdom, and our belief in the principles that have guided us for two centuries. They called it the Reagan Revolution. Well, I'll accept that. But for me, it always seemed more like the great rediscovery, a rediscovery of our values and our common sense. Uh, such a great call that it wasn't about a Reagan revolution. It was about a rediscovery, a rediscovery of our values and our common sense. And I really do believe that what America uh, doesn't need is a revolution. It needs a rediscovery of those values and that common sense. Uh, America doesn't need a civil war. It needs a civil debate. America hardly needs more angry voices inciting violence. It needs more respectful voices sharing insight grounded in truth. And uh, so there's so many principles uh, there. Uh, I wrote a piece for uh, Deseret News today uh, that focuses on some of the people who were there, some of those who worked in the Reagan administration, some uh, really extraordinary individuals. There's so many Utah ties uh, during the Reagan administration. There's some great lessons uh, there to be sure. Uh, but I want to hit one thing. It was one of the last messages that President Reagan gave to the nation uh, before, of course, he uh, began to suffer uh, with his battle from Alzheimer's. Uh, so it was at the 1992 uh, Republican National Convention. He sort of put everything in perspective uh, and something that I think we can look at as we strive to embrace this idea of it's not about re revolution. Uh, it's about a rediscovery. Whatever else history may say about me when I'm gone, I hope it will record that I appeal to your best hopes, not your worst fears, to your confidence rather than your doubts. My dream is that you will travel the road ahead with liberty's lamp guiding your steps and opportunity's arm steadying your way. That's uh, Ronald Reagan again. His uh, birthday as well, would have been his 110th birthday uh, would be this Saturday. Uh, and I, I love that idea that appealing to your best hopes, not your fears, appealing to your confidence rather than your doubts. Uh, that's really what we need in the country. And so there's many lessons to be learned there, uh, lessons that don't really belong uh, to necessarily him or to a political party. Uh, they are the principles of the nation, which is why he said it was about rediscovering our values and our common sense. We're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to drill down on this just a little bit more. Uh, we'll talk about how Reagan's legacy and lessons are passing on to the next generation. Stay with us right here on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as we were talking before the break on Saturday, uh, would be the 110th birthday of Ronald Reagan. And 
just talking about this concept, this idea that what the country doesn't need is a is another revolution. What the country needs is a rediscovery. Uh, Reagan talked about that in his final address uh, to the nation from the Oval Office. Uh, said that even the Reagan uh, revolution was really not so much a revolution as it was a rediscovery, a rediscovery of the values of the country, common sense uh, of the people. And uh, we've got that uh, article posted uh, for you on our Facebook page today. You can also read that at Deseret.com. Uh, and some of the lessons from a host of people who have had interesting uh, seats to watch uh, Reagan and his legacy. And uh, in the uh, article, we've got everyone from uh, John Huntsman, uh, Junior, who was a young staffer, often did he, doing uh, advance works. Uh, Stephen Studdard, who we've had on this program, who I think Lee uh, Lonsbury is going to have on his show later today. Uh, people like Lou Kramer uh, that were all in and around that uh, that particular administration. And we wanted to spend this last segment uh, talking about, well, how does all of this transcend? Uh, how do we really get to the next generation? Uh, and do those principles, do those values, does that common sense that Reagan talked about uh, actually transmit from generation to generation? And so uh, we have uh, someone who had a front row seat in an interesting way uh, to Ronald Reagan. That's uh, Sarah Matheson-Stevie. And uh, yes, there is a slight connection there. Uh, Sarah worked down at the Reagan Ranch, uh, which is, uh, of course, run by the Young America Foundation, uh, but it is Reagan's Rants. It is was the Western White House uh, and a very special place. Uh, but, Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. So give us just a, a quick description uh, of the ranch. And uh, you got to take all kinds of people from young students uh, to a lot of VIPs uh, from around the country and around the world uh, around Reagan's Ranch. And what were the what were the lessons that stood out? What was the feeling there for you? So. This ranch is, it's just spectacular in the most simple way. Um, so it's 688 acres of um, rolling hills, riding trails, and in the center of it all is a very humble home where President Reagan and uh, Nancy spent their time while they were at the ranch. And what I really loved about taking people through the ranch was whether it was a 14-year-old student or a senator or a, you know, 85-year-old, um, you know, Reagan admirer, was everyone was just so surprised at the simple but impactful touches of Reagan that were still there, whether that was seeing the fence that he put in himself. Um, or, you know, the rocks that he laid as the, uh, on the patio that he found himself and put in, you just saw that this place was freedom to President Reagan, and you still feel that today. And I think even more so what's surprising was that the freedom was in the hard work mm. um, at the ranch, whether that was, you know, clearing the trails um, or feeding the horses and cleaning out the barn. President Reagan found his release, I think, from all the stress of being president and that rejuvenation. And it turned into a place of hard work that so seamlessly also moved into a place of prayer and reflection. And how am I leading the country? And you can see it in those 14-year-old boys' eyes when they catch the vision of President Reagan was here to work. And that what made him, that's what made him good. He was here to sacrifice and you see that throughout the home, whether that's in the bed where he took twin, twin beds and zip tied them together and made it work, 
or whether that was out um, on the land and just the way he took care of it. Uh, so, so many important lessons there. And, and surely he could have uh, hired and paid someone to to clear that thing, to, to make the fence, to put in the rock. Uh, but he, he did that himself. I love you've connected that uh, to freedom. I want to go back. You, you mentioned zip ties. Uh, the, the section of the article today that you've written uh, honoring the president on his uh, what, what would be his 110th birthday uh, is called Zip Ties That Bind. And I don't know that a lot of people are super familiar with uh, that story. Tell it to us quick. Absolutely. So in the small one-bedroom home that they lived in, uh, was the bedroom. <laughs> and uh, when the president and Nancy uh, bought the ranch, there were two twin beds that were in the home. And President Reagan, being the practical man that he was, decided that really you could make a king bed out of two twins. So he took the bed frames, zip tied them together, and thought, you know, this is, this is what works for us. We don't need a fancy king-size bed. Now, President Reagan was a tall man, so uh, his feet actually hung off the end of the bed. So he uh, <laughs> took a footstool, put it right at the end, and you know what? That works for him. And what I love about that story um, is just that it sh- it shows that you don't always need the upgrade, um, that you can take what you have and you can make it work, and that can be a really great thing. The look of shock on people's faces when they hear that story is just amazing, um, that the leader of the free world was fine with something that was a little bit imperfect, a little bit tacky maybe to some people, um, but he knew that he could make it work and that he could appreciate the simplicity. It wasn't about having the fanciest king-size bed that any president could have gotten to that ranch, Um, but it was about having a place that, you know, he and Nancy could be well-rested, that they could, you know, zip-tie their relationship, that they could rest from all of the hard work at the ranch and from Washington. Um, And I just think that there's so much power in knowing that making sacrifices like that, being okay with things that aren't exactly the shiniest and the newest is okay. And if we can find joy in, in being content with what we have, I just think that opens up our worlds for us to be able to do great things and to appreciate things just a little bit more. Uh, fantastic. Sarah Matheson Stevie, again, she worked at the Reagan Ranch Center, Project of Young America's Foundation, uh, took students and uh, a host of others uh, around the ranch to, to discover those very principles. Uh, Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I, I remember the first time I uh, I saw the zip-tied beds together. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> they never upgraded. They never got a bigger bed. Uh, and that's so important. And, and there, you know, with a little footstool at the end uh, to hold his feet at night. Uh, but just knowing that uh, if you do a hard day's work, where you sleep's not nearly as much uh, an issue as just getting a good rest. And uh, so many great lessons up there and so many great Utahns who have been part of that Reagan legacy uh, and what goes on. Uh, so many you had, you know, Rex Lee uh, in that administration as a solicitor general, Dick Worthland, Jim Fletcher, Richard Richards, uh, of course, most recently, Dee Benson, uh, all of those folks have have passed on. And uh, so part of what we tried to do today uh, was to connect with some of those that are still here with us that experience that up close and personal. Uh, people like Lou Kramer, people like uh, Gregory Newell, who uh, served as the uh, ambassador uh, to Sweden from uh, 1981 to 1989, uh, and so many others uh, who who got to experience that for themselves and again, it comes back to these these critical lessons 
uh, the lessons, I think, of, of our history as a country, lessons and principles that do not belong to any politician or any political party. Uh, they belong to the people. And I think one of the things that Reagan did do well was communicate those, that he did play to our better angels, that he did uh, help us operate from a, a place of hope, not from a place of fear, uh, to respond to those uh, those better things and that common value and that common purpose uh, for all of us. And so as we close out our, our day and our week here on Inside Sources, I will just repeat uh, that America just doesn't need a revolution. It just needs a rediscovery, a rediscovery of our values and our common sense. We don't need a civil war. We need a civil debate. Uh, we hardly need any more angry voices inciting violence. We need respectful voices sharing insight grounded in truth. It's the principles that matter most. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us today on Inside Sources. As always, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that'll make a difference. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.